0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: When the church is lined up perfectly with the agenda of the powers that be, regardless of what the particulars are, then the church is compromised. If the church is fully aligned with either right or left, the church is compromised. See, the church is to be a different thing.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 9, verses 33 through 50, in a message titled Jesus and the Little Ones.
1: Now, here's Pastor Brian. They were to never look down on any group of people as unsavable. Jesus was teaching them this as they were going along because they, just like everybody else, were thinking in terms of power over people. But Jesus breaks them of that. And of course, we see their subsequent lives and ministries that they they learned the lesson. But unfortunately, not everyone learned that lesson. And after the, the death of the apostles, and as the church went on historically, you had many, many people in many different eras and seasons in the church where this whole understanding was just completely dismissed. And the church bought into the power structures and sought to basically... Rule and, and, and have power and lord it over people in the same way that the the kings of the earth did in the opposite way of what Jesus said, things were to be done. And so from the institutionalizing of the church, where the best seats in the house were reserved for the wealthiest, most powerful in society, that happened. To the church's lust for worldly power that put the church in bed with the state, to even subduing the worldly powers to the point that the kings bowed before the leaders of the church, lest the leaders lose the church's approval. Did you know that at a time in history, the church in Europe specifically had more power than the monarchs? The monarchs were subject to the authority of the church. Because the church held over them the threat of hell. So if you cross us, if you don't acknowledge us, if you don't recognize our power, then we will condemn you. And back in those days, nobody really had a a Bible to the church, kind of took the Bible out of the hands of the common people. And so everybody was just subjected to that. So the history of the church is full of these kinds of things. And we today cannot be ignorant of this reality. You know, it, there's an interesting phenomena that's happening in the culture today. We see Christians being persecuted. We've seen that in the Middle East. And, and so there's, there's talk. And oftentimes in the media in general, there's a reluctance to even admit that Christians are the target. And and even people in the the secular media are noticing this trend and this tendency. And there's a reluctance and and really, in many cases, a refusal to even consider that Christianity is, is being oppressed. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is in the secular mind, the church has been seen as an oppressor. So the church has oppressed people. The church has been an oppressor. So, And and in the minds of many people, the church is still an oppressor. And so they do not want to look at the church being oppressed. They want to, to keep the narrative going that the church is an oppressor. Now, listen, that's of course wrong, but the church has given them a basis for that. And the church has done that by failing to take to heart what Jesus taught here because the church has sought power. The church has oppressed people. That is a historical reality that we cannot escape. And rather than denying it, we ought to just admit that that's been the case and remind people that, well, that is true. That happened in church history. But guess what? Jesus warned about it. (laughs) Jesus said it was going to happen. And Jesus never did it. And his original followers didn't do it. But yes, it has happened in history. It doesn't help to deny it because we are denying reality. So, but but just these these different examples that we could go through here, just thinking about these different things. So the time when the church had dominion over the civil authorities um, in Europe, but then you see it to the joint venture of the church with the worldly powers during the colonial period in oppressing and exploiting native peoples. I mean, you read the history of, of what happened in South America and Central America, Mexico, here in North America. I mean, the, those, that, that was oftentimes the church working together with the state and oppressing and, and exploiting and, and scandalizing in the end, stumbling people rather than leading people to Christ. And so you can see it there. You can see it in the church's support of and complicity in the slave trade. You could see it in, more recently, the church's support of Hitler. Did you know that a a large number of church leaders in the German church supported Hitler? And it was a minority that resisted him and they were persecuted by the church, for their resistance. And so we have that example there, to the church's ongoing disregard for the plight of the immigrant, the marginalized, the racially oppressed, and so forth. Now, when I say the church, understand what I'm referring to here. When I say the church, it's what the world sees and understands to be the church. Now, we would say, oh, no, no, that's not the church. And the world says, well, why not? <laughs> they say they're the church. They claim to be the church. Their buildings say we are a church. Their whole hierarchy says we are a church. But we say, but no, they're, they're not really the church. But you see, the world can't make that distinction. And so we just have to be different We can't in any way join in with that complicity. We as individual believers and we congregationally, we have to not get entangled in that type of stuff. And you see today in our current cultural context, you know the church that is seen by the the secular world as doing once again this this kind of oppressive type of a thing uh you you hear this in the media all the time the new target is evangelicalism and now evangelicalism historically is have been the people that have believed in the bible and taken it seriously and the evangel is the proclamation of the gospel but what's happened over time is that among the evangelical church, you have a similar kind of thing that's happened over and over again where, where the church gets blended with secular power. And the church embraces secular power. And the church gets more invested in national kinds of concerns and things rather than in the gospel concern. And, and that's a real thing that we have to be aware of and watch out for. But, but the good news is this. There has always been, all throughout the history of the church, there have always been those who understood, believed, and followed what Jesus taught here. The apostles and the early church leaders got it. And thank God, many others throughout history did get it. But let me give you some examples. So William Carey. William Carey was kind of the first European missionary to India. But when William Carey had a burden and a passion to take the gospel to India, and Africa was on his heart as well, when he approached his church and the powers that existed in the church in those days to share his vision about getting the gospel to them, you know what they said? They said, those people are heathen, and there's no sense in taking the gospel to them. We don't need to be concerned with that. So the attitude of the church leadership in the days of William Carey is exactly the attitude that Jesus said never to have. See, for them, the heathen were unsavable. They're unredeemable. They're worthless. Why would you waste your life or time or money to go take the gospel to those people? That was the attitude in those days. Wilberforce, Wilberforce is the one who, of course, fought against the slave trade in Britain. You know, some of the fiercest opponents of William Wilberforce were the Anglican leaders of the day. And of course, there were people within the the church that were with Wilberforce and fighting against those things. But some of his fiercest opposition came from the established church. So this is another example. This this has happened so many times over. Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor, the great pioneer missionary to inland China. When Hudson Taylor went to China, Hudson Taylor loved China. From the time he was a boy, he loved China. He loved all things Chinese. And when he went to take the gospel to the Chinese, he believed that the, the gospel could penetrate the Chinese in their cultural context. And so he went there respecting Chinese culture. He went there fully desiring to adapt to Chinese culture. And he did. He went and he dressed like a Chinaman. And he took on Chinese culture. And you know what the mission organization tried to do? They tried to force him out of the land. Because he wasn't there to just bring the gospel to the Chinese, he was there to bring European civilization to the heathen. That was their thinking. And that's why they so fiercely opposed Hudson Taylor. But thank God for Hudson Taylor, that he stood against that, that he understood the real issue was the gospel. And so another more recent example would be Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was one of the voices that stood against the state church back in the time of the Third Reich. He ultimately paid the martyr's price for that, but he stood against the established church. These men, these, these believers, they refused to compromise the gospel for power. They got it, and thank God that people still get it today, but it's a very fine line, and those who stood against and stand against oppression, exploitation, racism today, they get it. And you know, it's not popular even today. And sometimes even in the church, there will be criticism of those who stand for the marginalized. But let's never forget that the severe warning here about the fire that has never quenched came to those who would lead the church because jesus said do not despise the little ones jesus as i said is the champion of the little people and so the outcast the poor the immigrant The mentally and physically disabled, the sexually broken, the stranger, the brother or sister who's a different color or speaks a different language. See, these are all the people that will oftentimes be, you know, the term marginalized means, you know, pushed off to the side. No, we don't have a place for them. We don't care for them. I'll never forget a friend of mine, a very dear friend, told me, when he was a young man and he came from an ethnic background and he was kind of moving in the direction of of trying to discover who God was. And he told me that he went into a church and he was met at the door with these words, there's no place for your kind here. And he was turned away. And man, if there is ever an example of the very thing Jesus said never to do, that's it right there. Whoever stumbles one of these seemingly insignificant ones who believe in me, better than a millstone were hung around their neck. Do you know how many times that has been repeated over and over again in history? You know, sometimes that happens in a racial context. Well, no, you're not welcome here. You're you know, the, your, your kind meet down there. You, you go down the road there. That happens in churches. That, that is the exact antithesis of what Jesus was about. And so we cannot lose sight of this. Now, Jesus goes on, and I'm going to finish it up in the context here. He goes on after the severe warning of judgment upon those who despise the little ones. He says, for everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Now, honestly, many, many, if not most commentators have no idea what this means. And it's hard to even kind of figure out what is Jesus talking about here. But I'm going to give it a shot. Here's what I think he's talking about. He says, for everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Fire and salt, both of them are purifying agents. That's what they do. And so Jesus is basically saying to them that this attitude. I am going to purge this out of you. I am going to refine you. I I am going to purify you so that you'll never again say, well, we told this person you're not part of us or you know, oh, somebody with a cup of water. What is that? That, you know, obviously that person's insignificant or, or the, these little people, so Jesus is saying, I'm going to purge that. That's what fire and that's what salt does. But then he says, salt is good, but if it loses its flavor, how will you season it? And, and you see, this is the thing. This is what happened. The church is salt. The church is to preserve the world from this kind of corruption but if the church buys into the world's view and listen we we often think of the church buying into the world's view just in the kinds of things like maybe embracing some current view of sexuality or or maybe the church buying into you know something to do with you know compromising in in various moral areas and things like that and and yes all of that's true but it but it's bigger than that it's more than that and the church loses its intended saltiness when it joins hands with earthly power when the church seeks the approval of the powers that be, or goes along just hand in hand with the agenda of the powers that be, the church has then lost its flavor and it becomes good for nothing. You see, the church is to be countercultural, and the church is to be countercultural in every way. The church literally should offend everybody. It should offend everybody. We are an equal opportunity offender. That's who the church is to be. In other words, when the church is lined up perfectly with the agenda of the powers that be, regardless of what the particulars are, then the church is compromised. So I'll make it real simple. We have the division division. We all understand it, right? There's the division of the right and the left. And if the church is fully aligned with either right or left, the church is compromised. See, the church is to be a different thing. And if it's not a different thing, then its purpose is defeated. And that's what Jesus is saying. If the salt loses its flavor. You see, the truth of the matter is Jesus loves everybody. But he has a big, big heart for the marginalized. He has a big, big heart for those who are suffering, for those who are poor, for those who have been oppressed, for those kinds of things and those kinds of people. The heart of Jesus is for them. And so we have to be careful that we maintain the heart of Jesus and not get sucked up into a perspective that maybe seems right, but it's not the heart of Jesus. Remember, in all of these examples that we're giving here, what's happening is there's a dismissal of certain categories of people. That's what's going on. And Jesus says, don't do it. Don't ever do it. If you're going to adopt this, you might as well get a millstone and hang it around your neck and go jump in the sea because that's the end of those who adopt that mentality, because I love people. And the only way the gospel is going to spread, the only way the church is going to progress, and the only way that we can in some way push back on the faulty history of the church is not to repeat the same mistakes that have been made over and over again in history. And so in our cultural moment, we have areas that we ourselves have to understand God's heart on these matters and not be sucked into the the human perspective, regardless of what side we're taking our cues from. What does scripture say? What is the heart of Jesus? And we know here, and I'll just close with this one reminder. Remember the words of Jesus to the religious elite of the day. The tax collectors, the prostitutes, the drunkards, the despised enter the kingdom before you. See, whenever there was that moment in history, wherever it happened first and wherever it's been repeated over and over again, where the church looked down on certain people in society and said, you're unsavable, you're unredeemable, you're unwelcome, you're any of those things, that's when the church entered the ranks of the religious elite that Jesus resisted. That's, That's when that happens. And let's not repeat that and and of course it's it's a collective thing but it's also a personal thing so we in our own personal lives we have to ask the Lord to search our hearts Lord is there are there people that I despise You came to seek and save the lost. But are there people that I despise? Are there people that I don't want to have associations with? Are there people that I don't want in the church that I go to? You know, that's a real thing. And if we find that in our hearts, then Jesus said, repent. You know, cut off your hand, pluck, (laughs) pluck out your eye. I mean, those are extreme things. Jesus doesn't intend anybody to do that. That's hyperbole. But what he's trying to show us is how serious a matter this is. And so, if we find our hearts in any way set against the little ones that Jesus loves, that's when we need to make a big change. And by God's grace, we can do that.
0: August, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Embodied, Transgender Identities, the Church, and What the Bible Has to Say by Preston Sprinkle. In today's culture, both Christians and non-Christians experience incongruence with their gender, but the church has generally avoided this culturally sensitive topic. So how can we address this issue from a biblical perspective and love the transgender community more widely, both inside and outside the church? And how can we love them in compassionate and practical ways? Well, in his book Embodied, Preston adds his voice to the conversation with sound biblical research that is expressed with pastoral sensitivity, compassion, grace, and love. To understand transgender identities from a biblical, psychological, and scientific perspective, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Embodied, Transgender Identities, The Church, and What the Bible Has to Say by Preston Sprinkle. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry.